You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chuck Carlson introducing our special guest tonight, who is Pastor Chuck Baldwin. He is founder of Liberty Fellowship in Kellispell, Montana. He was the founder of Crossroad Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. He's been on with us several times, and he always has a very valuable program. Tonight we're asking him to talk about one of his own programs that is being circulated right now widely and is extremely significant, we think, in the world scene and in the life and death scene that's going on around the world. The name of this program is The Old Covenant is Abolished, and we are under a new, better, everlasting covenant. This video is a 60-minute long video, and I've watched it to the very end. I'm extremely impressed by it, and we are going to try to promote this video as widely as we can. And this shorter version is an effort to try to get more people to look at Pastor Chuck Baldwin's wonderful presentation. Now, the significance of this piece is that it talks about the new covenant of Jesus, and it actually discusses the old covenant being gone and being obsolete and abolished. And Pastor Baldwin has used sound biblical references to show this and to explain it. And it's extremely significant in the world scene because, of course, the dual covenant idea that we have been living with for many years has led to conflicts, and those conflicts have led to wars. And we'll hope that uh, Pastor Chuck will spend a little bit of time tonight talking about some of the wars that have resulted from this. So we will uh, now lead into this with great confidence that this is one of the important uh, statements that has been made in decades and that it is highly significant. We're going to ask Tom Compton to do a prayer for Chuck's continued efforts, and then we will ask Pastor Baldwin to come on and what we'd like to have you start off is by telling us about the obsolescence or the disappearance of the dual covenant, and then explain to us how this is going to be and is significant in our lives and on the international scene. Tom, would you uh, render a prayer to start us off? Yes, thank you. Dear Lord, we come to you. We thank you for the uh, opportunity to, to hear uh, Pastor Baldwin and that you would bless him as we discuss this very important issue. And we ask that you bless his efforts to wake people to the dangers of what is going on, the, the misinterpretation of our Bible itself, actually, uh, by millions of misinformed Christians particularly in the United States, and bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Pastor Baldwin. Well, unfortunately, over the last several decades, even the better part of the 20th century and now well into the 21st century, the evangelical church has been enveloped by a a very dangerous and deceitful false doctrine known as Christian Zionism. And this has many facets to it, of course. But one of the most disturbing parts is its attack, whether wittingly or unwittingly, upon the finished work of Christ on the cross. We have, through Christ, a new covenant. The old 
Testament covenant, the Mosaic covenant, was completely, completely fulfilled in Christ through his death on the cross and his resurrection. And he instituted a new covenant, which, as the scripture says repeatedly, is, is far better than the old covenant, and it is an everlasting covenant. This covenant of grace through the cross of Christ is the faith that New Testament Christians live by. The sad reality is, however, that as in the first century, so now in in this century, Judaizers are tempting the church, the body of Christ, away from Christ's finished work on the cross and trying to force them to return to the Mosaic Covenant, the Old Covenant, which is abolished. The message that you are referencing, I use two passages of Scripture. The first is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, and then Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. And let me just read one of the verses from Ephesians 2, verse 15. Having abolished in his Christ, in his flesh, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain or two one new man, so making peace. When he talks about the enmity there, he's talking about the enmity that existed throughout the Old Covenant between the children of Israel and the Gentiles. And he's saying that in himself, in his flesh, on the cross, he abolished, and that's the word that is used in the scripture of the King James text, he abolished the law of commandments contained in ordinances. The old covenant has been abolished in Christ. For to make of himself of twain, that is of both Jews and Gentile, one new man which is the church, the body of Christ. This is elementary Christianity. This is Christianity 101. But unfortunately, because of the the lack of sound biblical teaching, Christians today have lost sight of this essential doctrine of Christianity and are mixing the Old Testament law with New Testament grace, and they just do not mix. This happened in the first century uh, when the apostles were given, especially the apostle Paul was given the, the doctrine of the new covenant and was teaching it to believers. The believers in, in, in Jerusalem, of course, were the first believers, and those were Jewish believers. Then it spread to Samaria, uh, which were... Um, half Jew and half Gentile, many of them, and eventually uh, to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius and so forth. So throughout the New Testament, as you read the the record of the book of Acts, you'll find that the churches were composed of uh, Jews and Gentiles and half and half, and it it became uh, very much a mixed congregation. During that early period, period of the church, the Judaizers, some of whom, many of whom, professed to have received Christ, but they were unwilling to relinquish the old covenant under Moses. And as a result, they set out to force the church, including the Gentiles within the church, to go back under the law of Moses or the Old Covenant. And this was a, a constant source of conflict throughout the, the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul and the other apostles. You read this in the book of Acts. You read it throughout Paul's epistles. This conflict where the Judaizers tried to coerce New Testament Christians to go back under the law. Now, this is what's happening today. They, they, many of them claim to be New Testament Christians. They, they claim to be saved by grace. 
but they are mixing the ordinances and the commandments and the laws of the old covenant with the new covenant of grace. And they are telling people in the churches today that we need the old covenant in order to obey God, in order to be blessed by God, in order to have uh, God's will done in our life. We must return to the old covenant in various shapes and, and, and forms. This is, in effect, heresy, because what it does is attack Christ's finished, completed work on the cross. That there's absolutely nothing more man can do to, A, fulfill the law, because Jesus did that, and, B, to bring ourselves back under the law, because Christ set us free from the law. And there's therefore now neither Jew nor Gentile. We are all one in Christ. That is the New Testament doctrine of grace under which the New Testament believer must live. So what I have seen happening, and it's been intensifying over the last couple of decades, is this attempt by modern-day Judaizers, which are nothing more than the modern term is Christian Zionists, that are trying to force the church back under the old covenant, which has been abolished. And, and that's mentioned in, Hebrew, in Ephesians 2. It's mentioned again in Hebrews chapter 10 uh, and, and, and other places. So in a nutshell, Chuck, that is, that is what prompted me to bring not this message only, but a series of messages on the subject of the New Covenant versus the Old Covenant. Okay, well, that's a, a wonderful explanation, and I'd like to add to that that when I look in my Greek Bible, I find that your use of the language is absolutely accurate. Uh, the Greek text of the Bible uh, uses a word that is very close to abolish, and in relation to the Old Covenant, the word translates almost exactly into nullify. So nullify and abolish are pretty close, aren't they? Oh, yes, of course. And, and, and then in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9, he taketh away is the phrase that is used in, in our King James Version. He taketh away, abolished, nullify, the first covenant that he may establish the second covenant so again several passages of scripture deal with it and again this is something that we really shouldn't even have to have a discussion on i mean this is we're we're 2,000 years into over 2,000 years into the church age and and here we are talking about something that is so basic that it was the central discussion in the first century after Christ. So the church has truly regressed in its appreciation and understanding of the new covenant through Christ. Now, you know, think about it. We're 2,000 years. This was all hashed out by the early church and by the Apostle Paul in particular, 1,900-plus years ago. And here we are, back at square one, having to rehearse this essential Christian doctrine to Christians today who almost have no cognizance of, of what we're talking about. And, and, when we, and, and, and it's so bad... Chuck, that when we talk about it, when I preach about it, and when we have these discussions like we're having today, there are many, many Christians who will hear this discussion and who will be repulsed by it. And they will, they will hurl all kinds of accusations against me or anyone else who, who, who dares to, you know, to teach and preach this because they have been indoctrinated and can I use the word propagandized, by pulpits in America today that have 
lost sight of the, the completed work of Christ on the cross and are trying now to mix the first covenant, the old covenant, with the new covenant, which cannot be done, which cannot be done in any shape, manner, or form. To do so is to negate and to attack the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is the fundamental essence of this discussion. And that's what is missing in our pulpits and in, in the understanding of, of Christians as a result of this lack of teaching from the pulpit. So again, this is Christianity 101. And yet this modern movement within Christianity, this Christian Zionist movement, is to emphasize the Old Covenant, the, the Jewish ordinances, and Sabbaths, and new moons, and feast days, and holy days, and ordinances, etc., etc. And I'm finding more and more New Testament churches, so-called, that are incorporating many of these Old Covenant commandments into their supposed New Testament worship. So they're bringing the law of Moses, the Old Covenant, into the New Testament church and demanding that this be a part of our worship experience. And if, and if we do not worship that way, then we are accused of not being Christians. We are accused of not obeying God, et cetera, et cetera. But all they are doing is in practice and philosophy, Chuck, they are undoing the work of Christ. It's, and it's gotten so bad that it's, it's, it's trickled down into our political establishments to the point that they are assessing political decisions and, and perspectives based on the old covenant. <laughs> the old covenant. The covenant that's been abolished. The covenant that Christ completely fulfilled and, and, and replaced, if you want to say that. A lot of people don't like the word. That's fine. And I don't mean the way some people mean it. But has given us the new covenant in Christ. And yet they are demanding that we go back into the old covenant and even formulating political commentary and activity based on the old covenant. And so this has permeated our churches to every level that it possibly can. I mean, when you, when you talk about spiritual, you talk about theological, you talk about doctrinal, you talk about social, you talk about political, virtually every area of our lives have now been brought under this false doctrine of the Judaization of the New Testament church, which is the same thing that happened in the first century. So this is why I have felt such a burden to bring these messages and to go into detail in my messages and put these on DVDs so people can get them and learn from them and, and be reintroduced to the work of Christ on the cross, the finished work of Christ on the cross, and the new covenant which he has given us through Christ. Pastor Baldwin, Christian Zionism, a term that didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago, I guess. At least I didn't, I didn't know about it. Uh, when you examine this term, it is an impossibility. Yes. Uh, it, it says exactly what you're saying, that it's trying to say that Christianity and Zionism somehow can be linked together into something called Christian Zionism. And we actually have Christian churches today who proudly identify as being Christian Zionist churches. They don't even seem to know that this is a condition that's impossible. Could you explain that a bit? Great point. Yeah, it's an oxymoron, isn't it? It, it's it is. I think this began in the late 60s. I actually think the catalyst for this new doctrine 
was the Six-Day War in, in 1967. I believe at that point, Christians became Zionists. I remember as a young preacher in the late 70s and early 80s, and I was privileged to be a part of several large nationwide Christian endeavors in our in our political world, in our in our governmental world, etc. And I, I so I was with I mean many most of the uh, notable names of evangelicalism from the late 70s into the current era. I was privileged to be on a first name basis with many of these men and shared platforms and conferences and and so forth with with many of them. And I remember I won't name name names here, but I, I remember I was in a a meeting with evangelical leaders, the most notable evangelical leaders with the largest churches and many of them Christian colleges and schools, et cetera, in the country. And we were in Washington, D.C. for a meeting, and there was a, a, a lot involved in that, and, and there was a lot of television appearances and radio interviews, and the media was, was covering it. It was new. It was fresh. It was something different on the political stage, and, and so the media was, was really uh, interested in everything that was going on. And I remember <clears throat> I was sitting next to one of my spiritual mentors who was again, one of the most notable evangelical Christian leaders in the country with one of the largest ministries in the country. And there was a kind of a, a roundtable uh, question and answer going on, and the media w- w- was present. And during the midst of that, one of the reporters asked this, uh, this notable personality that I'm talking about a, ver- a very direct question. And the question was, sir, are you a Zionist? And I was, I was a young man. I was, I was in my 20s. I was, I was just getting my feet wet in the ministry. And the Lord had been blessing and our church was growing and all that kind of thing. But I, I, was, I was really naive to a, a lot of, of this discussion. And I remember whenever that question, I can remember this like it was yesterday, you know how your mind, you know, thinks faster than the words that come out of your mouth. And I was, when I heard the question, I didn't, I didn't understand it then like I do now. I didn't understand what what is Zionism? What is, what is that all about? I did I didn't really fully completely understand it to be honest with you. But I remember very distinctly in my mind, I said to myself, because the question was asked of this other person, not me. I said to myself, no, just instinctively, I said to myself, it answers the question, no, I'm not a Zionist. And this notable evangelical leader sitting next to me said emphatically in response, yes, emphatically, I mean dogmatically, he answered, yes. And I remember in my mind being somewhat taken back i thought i i don't really know that i know all of that but whatever that is it it did not jive with with what i what was going on in my mind about my understanding of christianity and christ and and the church and the new covenant and ever and so that was my first experience with the word zionist or zionism and of course many years later and after you know much study and prayer and and so forth, you know I've come to 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 a much better understanding of this issue and and able to communicate, I think, scriptural truth uh, on this subject. But that was in the I can't remember exactly the year. It would, been, it would have been somewhere around 1980. Could have been 1979. So since that point in time the so-called Christian Zionist movement has grown exponentially. So we're talking about 40 years or so of continued saturation of evangelicalism with Zionism 
to the point that today the vast majority, vast majority of evangelical churches are adamantly and proudly Zionist. So when you talk about that, you're exactly right. This, this really did not start until recently. This is a, in, the, in the grand scope of the church age, this is a very recent phenomenon, and it, it is a false doctrine to its core. And I really believe that it, what the, the ultimate purpose, I think there's two or three, but one of those purposes is to deceive the church about the finished work of Christ on the cross and trying to mingle and by doing that by mingling it weakens the gospel by mixing it and mingling it with the works of the law so people in the congregations of these Zionist churches stop and think about it they're not really hearing the true gospel they're not hearing the full gospel they're not hearing the completed gospel they are hearing half gospel and half old testament law and they are mixing the two into this brand new concoction called christian zionism which you're absolutely right there is no such thing but but that is the rubric under which they are they are ministering so we have a a totally confused and convoluted church today that is not able to distinguish between right and wrong, between good and evil, between biblical and unbiblical, between what is of God and what is of Satan, because of this lack of understanding the finished work of Christ on the cross, distinguishing what Jesus did through his death and resurrection, what he instituted through the Holy Spirit giving us this new covenant by abolishing the wall, separating Jew and Gentile, making of one uh, in one body, one new man, the body of Christ, the church, where there's neither Jew nor Gentile, and that abolishing the old covenant, instituting a new covenant, because of that, that lack of understanding in, in the average Christian mind today, attend, and I'm talking about tr- people that attend church every Sunday, they are literally confused. They don't think they're confused, but they are confused about what the true gospel of Christ really is. And, and if you don't have that down in concrete in your soul, how in the world are you able to discern and digest so many other elements of Christian thought and doctrine and so forth if you are if you are wrong on the very first fundamental core doctrine of what it means to be a New Testament Christian. So I think the devil has brilliantly come up with a way to deceive the church and the pastors of the churches to the point that I believe the vast majority of Christians and churches in America today are no longer preaching truth and therefore they're not the salt of the earth and are literally insignificant in 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 terms of having any influence real influence in a positive spiritual way upon the country I agree pastor Chuck and appreciate your comment how has christian zionism caused us to become a warring world where we don't even look at Christ's words about blessed are the peacemakers and his life work uh, in an occupied zone of its time where he stood against violence and war at all times. And I think we are well aware that this doctrine of Christian Zionism is being used to cause churches to support wars that they would never think of supporting were it not for that Christian Zionist doctrine. Your assessment is absolutely correct. I blame uh, 100% the war fever that has enveloped the churches of America today to 
the false doctrine of, of Christian Zionism. You're absolutely right. There was no war spirit or war fever among evangelical Christians until Christian Zionism began to take over our churches. And, and of course, the reason for this is the misapplication of Genesis 12.3 and other verses pertaining to the new Zionist state of Israel created by the Rothschild family in 1948. That misapplication of those scriptures has elevated this foreign country to a position of godlike status in the minds of, of evangelical Christians. They, they truly, truly believe. Again, because they're mixing the Old Covenant and the New, and they don't have a clear delineation between the two. They don't have a clear understanding of Christ's finished work on the cross and the New Covenant of grace. And therefore, they're mixing Old Testament law into their faith, which includes Genesis 12:3 and similar verses, and they apply that to the Zionist state of Israel created in 1948. Well, every war, just about, that America has fought since then, exception of maybe Vietnam and Korea, has been precipitated on this unbiblical, unscriptural evaluation of Zionist Israel. Therefore, to support this Zionist state of Israel, thinking that they are fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, and therefore they would have God's blessing, they are supporting the warfare state which is, revolves around Israel. The wars that have been fought over the last three to, well, four decades have been almost exclusively at the behest of and in support of the Zionist state of Israel. Doing this has created a war fever and a war spirit in the hearts of Christian people. I'm reminded of that verse that David said, who himself was a man of war, of course, but David said, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And I believe that is a perfect commentary of the church in the United States today. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. People are obsessed with war. Who are the biggest cheerleaders for war in America today? Without a doubt, it is the evangelical Christian church. They are the promoters of war. They are the supporters of war. They love the military. They love the, the warfare state. They support unlimited funding for military apparatus. They support unlimited funding for uh, Israel's military apparatus. I don't know how many times I have heard professing Christians in evangelical churches say to me things like, if I had my way about it, I would blow Iran off the map. I would blow Syria off the map. I would blow Iraq off the map, Yemen, and go on and on. If any country that Israel has identified as its enemy, whether it's truly an enemy or not, Christians in America today support the acts of war committed by Israel against these nations. And they totally support the acts of persecution and genocide against the Palestinian people that, of course, are living in occupied territories ever since 1967 whenever Israel attacked these countries and invaded this, this territory, occupied it ever since militarily, and under which these, these Palestinian people are living under martial law, etc. And here's the thing that baffles me, just baffles me. I, I've been to the Middle East, and I, I've, I've preached in churches in, 
throughout Israel. And I can tell you from personal experience that the vast majority of Christian, I mean born again, children of God, saved under the blood of Jesus, the new covenant Christians, are Arabs and Palestinians in, in that region. The churches that I ministered to were 98 or 99 percent Palestinian Christians. Think about this. The, the acts of atrocities, violence, bloodshed, murder, genocide that's being committed against the Palestinian people include tens of thousands of born-again Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ are being slaughtered. It's, it's amazing. to It just baffles me that Christians and pastors who get up on Sunday in their Sunday school classes, in their, in their church auditoriums, etc., and talk about the love of God, and they talk about you know, loving one another, talking about loving the brotherhood. They, you know, they, they, they talk a lot about this, this kind of thing because the Scripture talks about it repeatedly. We should love each other and love our family. We should pray for one another, uplift one another, support one another, help one another. They, they preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it. Yet, when it comes to the Middle East, when it comes to Israel, they will forget all of that New Testament teaching. And they will revert back to this false interpretation of an Old Testament ideology. And they will support this modern state of Israel that they misconstrue as being a resurrected biblical Israel, which it is not. And they will cheer and they will laud and support this Zionist state of Israel perpetrating unbelievable horror, evil, and murder against their own brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you imagine how this is going to play out at the judgment seat of Christ. Can, can you imagine, can imagine. How, 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 what are the American Christians going to say to their brothers and sisters in the Middle East, especially in Palestine? But there's a lot of Christians in Syria. Oh, oh my, I mean, the church started in, in that area, as you know, and, it, and, and Syria, the Syrian Christians go back 2,000 years from the beginning of the church. And, and there are a large number of Christians in Syria. Think about how many of them we have destroyed through Israel's bombings, through America's bombings, our drone attacks, our war in, in, you know, in the name of getting rid of the government of Syria, in the name of protecting Israel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The, the death and destruction that we have rained down upon Christian people, in, in that part of the world, Palestine, Syria. It's interesting to me that there are more Jews living in Iran than in any other country in the Middle East except Israel. And these Jewish Iranians have the opportunity. In fact, Israel is constantly trying to, to you know, tempt them to leave Iran and to move to Israel, you're a Jew, you should be in Israel, and all this kind of thing. And, and they stay in Iran, and they say that they are safer, and they have more freedom of worship, and they, they, they are better treated in Iran than they would be in Israel or in the United States. What about these Christians that we are killing in the name of Israel, and we're going to stand before the Lord, and they're going to stand before the Lord. Why did you send your military to our country to murder us? We are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Why did you do this? What in the world are, are the American Christians going to say to their brothers and sisters in Christ at the judgment day? But you see, they don't understand that because they don't understand New Testament Christianity. They don't understand the New Covenant they're operating under an old covenant mentality. This is how deceptively dangerous this false doctrine has become. I know that Craig has a question. 
Okay, Pastor Chuck, thank you for being on with us again. You made it very clear that we are under the new covenant, but how does a Christian look at the old covenant now? I I think of uh, the passage in Matthew where Jesus says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass not one jot or tittle, in no wise shall pass away from the law till all be fulfilled. I think of Jesus healing the leper, and he says, you know, what shall I do? Well, go, what does the law require? Go show yourself to the priest. I think of Acts, when uh, Paul was confronted by the Judaizers, he at that point went into the temple to fulfill a vow. So there's inklings in the New Testament of this melding of Old Testament and New Testament. This scripture just really jumped out. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 14 through 16 says, But their minds were hardened, for to this very day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. But how do we today look at the Old Testament, how is it meaningful to our life and practice today as Christians? Well, yeah, the verses you mentioned in, in the gospel, of course, Christ was then come to fulfill the law and righteousness, which he did through his death and resurrection. And the law was completely, completely fulfilled in Christ. There's absolutely nothing more anyone can do to add, I mean, when someone starts to put some kind of an Old Testament requirement on a New Testament believer to require them to do whatever it is in the Old Testament that they think they think must be done today, what they are saying, they may not mean to say this, but what they are saying is Jesus didn't fulfill the law. We've got to do our part to fulfill the law. He didn't fulfill it. He didn't do enough. We've got to add to it. We've got, we got to do this. We've got to do that. They don't recognize that Jesus, you know, Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And that's exactly what he did. And then, of course, the New Testament tells us that the Old Testament scripture was written for our learning, for our instruction. So everything about the Old Covenant, everything about the Old Testament points to Christ and serves and as an example, a, a, a uh, foreshadowing of what Jesus would accomplish through his death and resurrection. The, the Bible says in Galatians that the law, what serves the purpose of the law, that it is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It, it, the, the Old Testament law is a teacher. It teaches us what Jesus did. It, it, it all points to Christ. Everything in the Old Testament points to Christ. So when people go back to the Old Covenant, they're looking past Christ, and they are going back to a covenant that he has already fulfilled, and as as Ephesians 2.15 says, he has abolished. So I, I think the importance of that is that without that understanding, believers are are mixing the New Testament covenant, the covenant of grace, and the old covenant, which has been fulfilled and abolished in, in Christ, and therefore do not have a proper biblical understanding of the new covenant, which I think opens them up to all kinds of deception, which is what we've been talking about on the program today. Mm-hmm. Hi, Pastor Chuck. My name's Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Are you familiar with a cloth that was given to me at a local Bible study church that I found. It's been very difficult to find a group of believers that aren't waving the Israeli flag and things like this. And this cloth was given to me, and it's from the Baptist. And at the end of the cloth, it says that Israel will be head of the nations. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the cloth, I was told that that stands for God instituted government so government could institute capital punishment. And it just reminded me of the Noahide laws, and um, it fit right in with um, Israel will be head of the nations because of what they're doing now. I just didn't know if you were familiar with that graph or that cloth. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, of course. 
and and okay. all and all nuances of it. <laughs> Depending oh, on boy. who you talk to, the the nuances of what you just said are are so varied and multitudinous that it's it's really hard to keep up with. And, you know, the thing about it, it, it is that's so convoluted. I, I mean, think about this. The according to the dispensational futurists, the Christian Zionist prophecy, Israel-based prophecy, understanding. Okay, so we've got to support Israel because they are the fulfillment of Genesis 12:3. Wrong. They're not. But that's their that's their belief. Okay, so now they're going to do anything to support Israel, and, and they're going to justify anything that Israel does, no matter how barbaric, or heinous murderous it may be they're going to support israel because they think that by doing so they're obtaining the blessing of god which my you know retort to that would be okay we've been blessing israel since 1948 tell us how how are we doing in the last 70 years you know how blessed is america today in every discernible area of of our nation how are we doing with our families how are we doing with our with our economy how are we doing with our uh, entertainment. How are we doing with our educational system? How are we doing in other church? I mean, look at everything in our society today versus 1948. How how are we doing? You know, we're not doing better. We're not being blessed. We're being cursed. That's that's another right. That's another part of it. But anyway, so they think they've got to support Israel no matter what because of Genesis 12:3. So they so they do. So what's the purpose of this? Well, the purpose is they're going to build a third temple, and right now there are. Christians by the by the millions that are giving money to help fund a building of a third Jewish temple. Why are you building a third Jewish temple? Which let me pause. The blasphemy of that is, is staggers the, the imagination because our under the new covenant, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has made a temple not made with hands. You know, the temple of, of the old covenant was made by human hands. The New Testament temple is a temple not made by hands. It's a temple made by God. It's the temple of our bodies. We are the, the temple of the living God. And, and so, you know, they, they don't even get that. So, but anyway, so they're going to build a third Jewish temple. For, for what reason are they going to build a third Jewish temple? So the Antichrist can come. You know, through the third Jewish temple, the Antichrist is going to come, present himself as the, as the Christ. He's going to deceive the world, including the, the, the Jewish people. Okay, so then what happens? Well, then the Antichrist is going to rain down havoc and, and mayhem and death and destruction upon the world. He's going to destroy most of the world's population. He's going to destroy most of the Jewish population of the, of, of the earth. But, of course, they're not going to be here. They're going to be raptured to heaven, so they won't have to see all this. But so, so think about this. They feel that they're going to be blessed by God if they help the Antichrist build a third temple so the Antichrist can come and murder maybe four-fifths of the world population. And then Christ is going to come. Including so, Christians. <laughs> You see, you see where I'm. This is so convoluted. It's so bizarre. They are they are working for the Antichrist, and they're working toward the deaths of not only the Gentile world but also the Jewish world that they proclaim to love so much. You know, they love the Jewish people. They love Israel. Okay, so you're going to help the Antichrist build a third temple so he can destroy all these people that you love so much. It, you know, it, it, it's bizarre teaching. It, it, it just shows you what happens in people's minds when they lose sight of the New Testament, the New Covenant that God has given us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and is trying to mix the Old Testament with New Testament uh, covenant that that's what that's what's happened and 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 the problem is the more this christian zionism doctrine continues unabated the more it will it will sway toward the old covenant 
You see what I'm saying? The the old covenant will become greater and greater and greater, and the new covenant will become lesser and lesser and lesser in their minds and the way they think. Hi, Pastor Baldwin. My name is Patty. Uh, I was listening so intently to what you had to say, and it makes so much sense to me, the confusion that I had when I was in a Baptist church for six years, and I remember how wonderful it felt when they told me that I was a Judeo-Christian, and then later I heard the term spiritual schizophrenia, <laughs> and that's basically what it is, because you can't, you can't be both. You can't have two belief systems that are completely 360 degrees opposite of each other. And, <laughs> and then the, the other term that I've read on the Internet, religious sociopaths, and that's what a lot of these pastors who, they're not deceived, they really do know the truth. I mean, some of them are deceived. I'm sure that's true for some, no question. Yeah. You've got to understand that the Judeo side of, of religion is extremely wealthy. The, the, the money that is at the disposal of Zionists is almost unlimited. Mm-hmm. And the reward, and I, you know, I could sit here for a long time and tell you of experiences that I've had with a lot of these men that we're alluding to here and some that I've known personally through these last four decades of, of my ministry. And I have seen the reward, the financial reward, mm. that they have received from Israel and from Zionists because of their Christian Zionism doctrines. And and there is no question about it that there is a financial aspect to this that is not discussed much. Pastor Baldwin, I think that's a really great place to bring this to an end uh, because we're out of time. And uh, we really appreciate you being here. Please, listeners, go to The Old Covenant is Abolished. We are under the new, better, everlasting covenant. You'll find it uh, linked to our website. And you will also find it on Pastor Chuck Baldwin's website, which is libertyfellowshipmt.com. Pastor Chuck, and we thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Chuck. I'm, I'm glad to be with you as always. Appreciate all the good work you are doing. Just for future information, just as you're putting out contact information on my behalf, I have another personal website that has everything that's on the Liberty Fellowship website, and more. And that's ChuckBaldwinLive.com. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free, our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1.